Welcome again to our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We are recording this devotion just a day or so before the arrival of Hurricane Ian. And so with that in mind, I wish to extend to you um, our greatest prayers and thoughts as we all brace ourselves for the storm. And we pray that uh, you will be kept safe and that uh, we will be in good position to help others on the other side of this storm. As we prepare to reflect upon God's word, let's take a moment to listen to some beautiful music. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. Hear the word of God. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to expect someone else? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or are we to expect someone else? Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, afflictions, and evil spirits and had given sight to many who were blind. And he answered them, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with a skin disease are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in robes? 
Look, though, look, those who put on fine clothing and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people who heard this, including the tax collectors, acknowledged the justice of God, having been baptized with John's baptism. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law, not having been baptized by him, rejected God's purposes for themselves. To what then will I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all her children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the church where I grew up, there was a fellow named Jim. Jim was the president of a large nonprofit organization in the Detroit area. He traveled the freeways of Detroit back and forth to work, and he began to notice how awful the shoulders and medians of the freeways were beginning to look. Litter was collecting, bent hubcats, rusted mufflers, trash bags, you name it. And it was looking so awful that Jim wrote to the authorities, sent letters to the editor complaining, but no action happened because they said there was no money in the budget to clean the highways. So Jim decided he was going to do it himself. So with the pickup truck on Saturdays, he would drive down the shoulder of the road on Interstate 94 and Interstate 75 and start picking up trash. People started noticing this odd man picking up freeway trash. They began to inquire. They wrote letters of appreciation to the newspapers. The Detroit Free Press put them on the front page. And then, of course, the police got hold of all that and arrested him because you can't do that kind of thing on the highway. It's just not safe. And when they let him out of jail, he went back and started doing it more. People started honking their horns in support, and they wrote letters to the city council. And sure enough, after a couple more run-ins with the law, they put money in the budget to start cleaning the highways. Amazing what a little oddness can do. When I was in youth ministry eons ago, about once a year, we used to do random acts of kindness. This was the night when we would break the fellowship up into small groups and we would give each a little bit of money and then send them on their way with advisors to perform random acts of kindness. In other words, doing really nice things to complete strangers. A dozen donuts left at the police station, paying for a tank of gas for a guy who's just put gas into his car, delivering cards to the nursing home, carrying someone's groceries out to their car. Random acts of kindness. Gestures of unsolicited grace. And the risk, at the risk of what? Well, at the risk of appearing a little surprising and odd. That's usually what happens when kindness and goodness enters the world. It's going to seem a little strange to people. At the start of Jesus' story, there appears this oddball story of a guy named John. He's the kind of guy who doesn't get invited to many parties. He shows up on stage and announces the arrival of Jesus, and he's preparing the way for the Lord. He's kind of odd, though. He's dunking people in the Jordan River. He's shouting at the religious authorities, calling them snakes. He's uniquely attired in camel's hair and a leather belt. He's eating locusts and wild honey. Kind of odd, wouldn't you say? 
not the kind of person you'd hire to promote your big product, but there he is, right at the beginning of Jesus' story, oddball John out there in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So in our lesson, oddball John sends a question to Jesus and asks, are you the Messiah or, or should we be waiting for somebody else? And Jesus gives his answer. And he tells them about all the odd things he's doing. Good things, but you know, in this world they might appear to be odd, the blind receiving their sight, the lame walking, those with a skin disease being cleansed, the deaf being here, the dead are being raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And people are amazed at these glorious and strange things that happen when Messiah is around. I guess for the gospel to be the gospel, it needs to appear a little strange, a little odd. Eric Liddell won the gold medal in the 1924 Paris Olympics. He won it in the 400-meter race. He was slotted to run the 100-meter race, but by far his better race, but the qualifying race was held on a Sunday, and Sunday was the Sabbath, and it was against Eric's discipleship life to do such trivial things like trying to win the gold medal on a Sunday. Sunday was the Sabbath, and Sabbath was the Lord's. He was trying to live a worthy discipleship life. His Olympic life was immortalized in the movie Chariots of Fire, but it was after his Olympic running that Eric pursued the call of going to the mission field and joined his parents in China. He pursued the worthy life, a life dedicated to the resurrected Christ. So during his years in China, war broke out between the Chinese and the Japanese, and in 1943, Liddell was captured and thrown into an internment camp. It was in the internment camp that he kept ministering and responding to people's needs. Conditions were poor, sometimes dire, but Eric Liddell remained in character. Every day he made it his point to love his fellow prisoners and to forgive his surrounding captors. Inside the camp he came to know a young man whose shoes were falling off of him, so he gave him a pair of his running shoes to help keep his feet warm. He also taught him what it meant in Christ to love and forgive his enemies namely the Japanese. In February 1945, months before the camp's liberation, Eric Liddell died, far from the gold medal stand. What does such an odd and gracious life get you? Well, that young man to whom he gave his shoes and to whom he taught the hard lessons of forgiveness, that young man, Stephen Metcalf, after having received from his mentor the baton of forgiveness, and after having been liberated from camp, Stephen Metcalf felt the call of God in 1948 to give his life as a missionary to the Japanese. Sometimes, maybe all the time, for the gospel to be proclaimed, you just have to be a little odd. Let us pray. O oh Lord, again, we pray that you will watch over us as we go through these days of storm and wind and rain and pray that you will help us to know always that we have your abiding peace and presence with us. And we pray, O oh Lord, that even in the midst of the storm and in the wake of it, that we might be given the chance to oddly show random acts of kindness, to be of service to our neighbor that all might see in surprising ways the gracious love of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.